Let the word go forth. Fool me once. Are you fired up? I'm not a crook. Are you ready to go? Shame on, shame on you. It's Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, hosted by Ben Kissel. Boom, we can't get fooled again. Oftentimes when there are reforms put on the table, it's almost like when a serial killer becomes friends with the cops investigating the case. <laughs> uh, it's the same thing from the documentary Fed Up, which you have to yeah. watch Marcus Parks. The big sugar companies, Coca-Cola, Pepsi, all the soda brands, went on board with Michelle Obama's um, Let's Move campaign. So they're like, yeah, we're going to join forces with you, uh-huh. and which means they cause absolutely um, – so everything – so that's why they focused on movement as opposed to the reality where it's impossible to burn off that many calories okay. in a day. So that might be what the Coach brothers are doing. Koch brothers, Koch brothers mm. are doing with the um, prison reform bill, budding themselves up, you know, with the people who. So the no no actual change will occur. Oh yeah, I understand. Yeah, so that's kind of exciting. Um, all right, welcome to the show, everyone. I'm Ben Kissel, as always, joined by Marcus Parks. Just you and I. Hey, yeah. Oh, reunited, and it's not been that long. <laughs> A couple weeks. Yeah, so let's just talk about some politics here, sticking with America. Oh, my God. I gave a, I gave a speech. At a rally for marijuana on Saturday. It was in Union Square, and uh, this was a crazy week for protests, obviously. The Freddie Gray protests, the police brutality protests were happening in Baltimore and New York City. And uh, then on Saturday, there was the pro-weed march. And at first, I was like, one seems more important than the other. <laughs> and uh, the victor in that uh, you know situation wouldn't be the weed march until you realize the 800,000 people we have in prison right now for petty marijuana crimes. Freddie Gray had a rap sheet that was very long, and he was uh, a, a couple of those... Um, a couple of those uh, arrests were for marijuana and things like that. So naturally, the Sean Hannity's of the world believe that that makes it okay for uh, cops to murder him in the back of a van because yeah. he likes to smoke a joint every now and again. Yeah, a lot of people use that. Uh, they right. use that logic. That great. That that don't break the law and you got no, no worry about. Yeah, type and, of logic. And those are the same people who you know beat their wives and uh, <laughs> shoot guns up in the air whenever the Dallas Cowboys <laughs> score a Super Bowl or score a uh, touchdown. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I notice those people drunk drivers a lot yes. of them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, when yeah. I, when I uh, go home mm-hmm. and I hear people use that uh, argument back in Texas, I I notice uh, they're drunk right now and I'm in the passenger seat. Well, if you're, if you're not <laughs> if you're not breaking the law, then you don't got anything to be worried. <laughs> oh no! Buckle up. <laughs> We're going for a white man's ride. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You get a little bit more, um, you get the ability to drive a little bit drunker when you're white. That is one of the areas where white privilege really shines its, uh, shines the, 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 the light yeah. on, on how wonderful it is to be white in this country. We get to drive just a little bit drunker than your average person. Yeah, the black, black people don't get to use the, nah, I'm good excuse. <laughs> where are you going, sir? I'm <laughs> drunk. Going to the bar. I saw All right, get on out of here. <laughs> That's just fine. So it was a very exciting experience uh, talking in front of these people at this marijuana rally, and it, it smelled a lot different than the Freddie Gray uh, <laughs> marches. People were just smoking massive canoe-sized joints in the yeah. middle of Union Square. The cops were all around, and I saw them. They were inhaling. Yeah. The cops were like... <sighs> Trying to get it all in. I'm like, you can't try to. You're, you're stealing smoke, officer. You're stealing that man's weed smoke. And uh, it was a very, very good time, a good experience. So let's talk about obviously the mass incarceration rates. It's it's uh, it's in vogue. This is the first uh, presidential election cycle 
I can think of where these, where the, uh, where law and order running on, running on a campaign of being tough on crime is being trumped by running on a campaign of like, there's just far too many people in prison. Yeah. This is the first time it's ever happened. Obviously, this has lost Democrats elections in years past. If you go back, uh, to, uh, Dukakis in 1988 with, um, Willie Horton, I believe it was, mm-hmm. uh, he was, it was a very, well, uh, in Massachusetts, where Governor uh, Dukakis reigned, um, he allowed some prisoners who were in there for very violent uh, attacks and crimes to go out on the weekends and hang out and have a good time. Willie was not the guy to let out. No. Willie, he told him, he's like, if you let me out, I'm raping and killing again. And they're just like, get out of here, Willie. <laughs> Willie, you are a goof. You're a goofball. You're a wild cat. We love you, Willie. Come on back. And he's like, I'll be back. And I don't think I'll ever be leaving again. Um, yeah, he ended up raping and killing a woman yes. while on weekend leave. And George Bush, George, uh, the first Bush, George H. Herbert w. Walker, Bush, yeah. Herbert Walker Bush was able to use the Willie Horton uh, example yes. in a campaign ad, a very famous campaign ad. And some say that that, along with the tank photo, yeah. uh, Dukakis playing, playing army guy, well, playing I mean, tank guy, it's never good. Uh, sunk his campaign. It's never good when you uh, run your presidential campaign the exact same way a Make a Wish kid would run his <laughs> I want to be in a tank and I want to be an army driver I want to be a driver of a tank in the army okay Mr. Dukakis Yay! here you go young boy Dukakis <laughs> it's not good so now for the first time we're seeing people come out especially Hillary Clinton Rand Paul Marco Rubio as well Ted Cruz wants more people in prison Ted cool. Cruz is a, is a nightmare of a human being <laughs> but um, it, it's a political winner for the first time in history and mm-hmm. we're going to talk a little bit about the hypocrisy of Hillary Clinton because she is coming out. We need to end mass incarcerations rates. We just did a little research on it. Under Bill Clinton, 1992, there was 847,000 people total in prison. Again, right now we have 800,000 people in prison alone for weed offenses. Just weed. Not, just even, weed. not all drugs. Just weed. Yeah, they're in the corner that smells great. <laughs> they're, they're, in, they're in the cool corner where everyone's playing some jazz music. They have large horns and things like that. That's the part of the prison you want to hang out in the most. Mm-hmm. And there's 800,000 people riding away for crimes that we do on a daily basis. I just did it this morning. (laughs) So 847,000 people when Clinton uh, begins his uh, term and uh, then he goes and he finger pops Monica a little bit with a cigar Mm -hmm. and then when it's all said and done, 137 plus million people are in prison. Mm -hmm. So no, I'm sorry, 1 million. 1.3 million, yeah. 1.3 million people are in prison. So he definitely crushed um, when it comes to uh, making the prison some major cash. Mm-hmm. He had a, they called it a triangulation ploy, where he created incentives to in- individual states to build more prisons, to put more people behind bars, and to keep them there for longer. Right. So he was directly responsible for the right. mass incarceration rates. And so now we have the hypocrisy of Hillary coming out and saying that she doesn't want, she's, she's, she's seen enough of it, and it really, the vast majority of it, the ball got rolling, um, going down Hill, the snowball grew and grew and grew, mostly under the Clinton administration. But that uh, that brings up a pretty good point: is uh, should people hold Hillary responsible for Bill's policies? Well, if she wants to run with Bill as an asset, then they absolutely should. I mean, Bill Clinton still left office despite everything. The economy was doing very well, perhaps in part of the prison uh, of the prison <laughs> business boom. Yeah. Um, and so she she uses his 
popularity when it's convenient. And and of course, she distance him, uh, distances herself when she wants to per- be perceived as a strong, independent woman. You yeah. know, so she can't have it both ways. I mean, I think at this point, Bill is a uh, he's an anchor. He's a weight because with the all of the the Clinton Foundation got a bunch of money from a lot of very controversial places. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's that big of a deal because we give the Saudi Arabian government millions and billions of dollars every year, even though we know they caused 9-11 and we don't seem to care about that. So the Clintons got some controversial money from some terrible people, but everyone is terrible in this world. Yeah. The one thing that I uh, that I think is uh, pretty ironic is that the things that, okay, people talk about Clinton, the good years, the liberal years, all of that. Right, right. But the sorts of, the policies that they put in, the, especially these two big policies that are turning to be two really big issues, and two things that Clinton is saying that she's going against is one, the mass incarceration thing, right. and two, the Glass-Steagall Act that right. was repealed under, uh, under President Clinton, uh, which deregulated Wall Street, which mm-hmm. led directly to the collapse of 2008 and led directly to wealth being concentrated within the 1%, which is what Hillary Clinton is coming out and saying that this is awful. The middle class is disappearing. A lot of this stuff can be traced right back to the Clintons. Right. I mean, you know, at this point, it's like the Wizard of Oz when they pull back the curtain. They see it's just a little lumpy fella who's, uh, you know, being uh, who's the king of Oz. She doesn't quite have the curtain fully pulled back because she doesn't she refuses that much transparency. But it's pretty much a see through old grandmother's shower curtain that has some flowers (laughs) on it. But at the same time, if you walk into the bathroom, you see granny showering and you know her body has gone way down here <laughs> or she looks amazing depending on your type if you're more of a herald uh, from herald and Maud, if you're one of those guys who likes um more used skin mm-hmm. i suppose <laughs> i don't know what is it called when you age age skin and of course under clinton you know the war on drugs it obviously it began under reagan uh and when i say reagan i'm not talking ronnie i'm talking nancy mm-hmm. nancy reagan still one of the most powerful first ladies of all time and really to blame for uh, the incarceration rates of most black people and uh and um Nancy Reagan was terrible. No, yeah. She was a fucking demon. Yeah, she really was kind of a demon person. And, of course, they cut the school budget for lunches, Uh which we can talk about later. Watch the documentary Fed Up. Get get down with it. I've got a lot of Ed Gein research to do first, and then I'll fucking watch Fed Up, all right? Read Ed Gein. You know what, Ed Gein, (laughs) you know, when he went to school, they were were eating good. Potatoes, (laughs) nice whole grains, good wheat. We should all have the Ed Gein diet. Every school needs to have the Ed Gein diet. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, very, very good he Wisconsin. Just, he ate nothing but pork and beans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, not quite the For Ed like Gein. Decades. Right, 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 right. Okay, not the Ed Gein diet. Probably had scurvy. Yeah, that's not a good idea. Okay, okay, we'll change We'll change that up. Just a nice nutritional diet. Would be good. All right. Whatever, that's fine. So with the war on drugs, but of course, under uh, Herbert Walker at first, but then it really ramped up under Clinton with the militarization of police yeah. when they allowed $4.3 billion in the budget to be uh, of military goods to be sold to these random municipalities all around the country in in areas of 500 people, 600 people, 10,000 people, where violence, the most violent, Steve, I was talking to my younger brother from Stevens Point, Wisconsin. It's a town of about 20,000, 25,000, and they just got a tank in Stevens Point. They got a tank. And the last crime that occurred in Stevens Point, Wisconsin, somebody cheated at a pie eating contest. <laughs> I swear to God, there has never been any event in Stevens Point where there was one murder that happened at a paper mill, so we know who did it. What? The, the worker at the paper. <laughs> the it paper was literally, I was growing up. There, there was one murder in Stevens Point. Of course, it happened at the paper mill. Really intense. They threw the guy in the vat. Obviously, he ended up dying, getting chopped up. Wow. And then I think theoretically, we read the 
paper of his on the on the paper that was d- describing his death. I think he he was in it. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure it was part of his flesh. They threw him in the vat. I, I wouldn't assume they threw away all of the uh, all the goop that goes into making a paper. Yeah, the fault. Yeah, the pulp. <laughs> no, he's in the pulp. The person's in the, hey, where's Steve? Yeah, he's in the pulp. <laughs> He was murdered. The person's in the pulp. Look for it. You know that's where you get the DNA evidence out of him. Oh, yeah. That was the last crime that happened in Wisconsin, and that was the or in Stevens Point, uh, Wisconsin, and that was way early nineties. Yeah. Know? So no one, no one's doing anything wrong. Well, I think I've told this story real quick before. Is that uh, Lubbock, Texas? They got a tank as well. It's a little bit bigger. It was about one hundred seventy, one hundred eighty thousand at that point. Okay. And the only time they brought up the tank uh, was when there was a man who had just gotten divorced was throwing all of his furniture onto the front lawn and setting it on fire. So LPD brings out the fucking the tank, tank to try to subdue this guy. Huh. Of course, it pushes him over the edge, and he ended up shooting himself in the head. Well, naturally. Uh, when the tank, uh, you know, knocked down his front door. Yeah, that's um, terrifying. It was also the nickname that he gave his ex-wife. The tank. The tank. <laughs> yeah, he, he used to call her the tank. That was one of the reasons they got divorced. If you can't, in this country that is supposed to be free, if you can't go through a divorce and freak out at least one day, throw all your all your furniture on the front lawn, then what kind of world are we living in? Yeah. You gotta be able to burn your own furniture on your own lawn keep it contained yeah but you have to be able to freak out a little bit and back in the day a sheriff would just show up and be like joe just put it out (laughs) hey joe samantha ain't coming back she was a bitch no one liked her just put it out and then if he didn't put it out can i light the coffee table light the coffee table and put it out then is that gonna make you happy And that was that was old school police work. And now, yeah, yeah, like you were saying, they took a tank through his front door. The man was already going through enough, and they thought this was going to be the next nine eleven, mm-hmm. which is the, what they're all pretending to be. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's a major difference as well between police officers who are former soldiers and police officers who just go right into law enforcement. Mm-hmm. Former soldiers are much more intelligent and, uh, and much less reactionary. Yeah. What really happens, I was just uh, watched a great interview on Charlie Rose, and I forget the name of the woman now, but she was discussing how she feels bad for the cops in this sense because they're so scared. Yeah. You know, well, that's what I've been saying forever is that right. cops are just terrified. They're so scared. Military people, however, they've actually seen combat. They understand they have a much, much better scope of uh, the danger of the situation. They're much more um, aware of their surroundings, and they have the ability to reason in hectic situations. You get the cop situation over um, where he shot the unarmed black dude as he was running away. That's how scared he was of this guy. He was running yeah, away. Darren Wilson. And he was, no, not Darren Wilson. That was the guy who killed. Oh, this it's so hard to keep track. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm just sitting here talking. I'm like, this is like normal. No, not Darren Wilson. His I got his trading card. I got the Darren <laughs> Wilson. Uh, no, he was the one who killed Michael Brown. Brown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This Are you was about Stagler. George Zimmerman. No, not George Zimmerman. He <laughs> killed Trayvon, and he was never actually a cop. And cops were always just like, well, people put tra- uh, George Zimmerman in there, but he was never a police officer. He was Garner, Eric Garner, not Eric Garner. <laughs> no, that's when they played ants on a log and they suffocated the guy. Yeah, they were the ants, and he was the log, and it was very unfortunate. Oh, Tamir Rice. No, not Tamir Rice. <laughs> a Kai Gurley. No, not a Kai Gurley. Uh, oh, Amadou Diallo. Sure, let's go with him. Yeah, we got shot 41 times uh, as he was pulling out his wallet, trying to show it to NYPD officers. Oh, Sean Bell. Not Sean Bell. That's going old school. <laughs> That's old 2007 Sean Bell. Yeah, maybe 2008, maybe 2010. It was, it was 2006. It was it 2006? It was the year we moved here. 
Oh my God! Yeah, there's so many of them, so mm-hmm. many. Um, but these these cops, it really it is done out of absolute fear and complete and utter inability to um, to understand other means of, of of getting their ends. They have no idea what to do, yeah. you know. And you had that other the the other George Zimmerman type, the 70 year old guy who accidentally pulled out his gun as opposed to his taser and shot a person right there in the back. And then of course we have Freddie Gray uh, in Baltimore. So there is. That is just sad. And those yeah. are the ones that we know of, right? Yeah. You know, and the cops, they kill uh, 433 people, I believe, were killed by cops last year. And the majority are actually white. Obviously, we make up more of the population. Yeah. I mean, that's the big thing that's going on um, on Facebook right now is people saying that, but doing that little CNN screenshot of saying that there are more white people killed by police officers than there are black people. It's like, well, because black people make up 10% of the population of the United States. 10 to 15%. Yeah. And so, I mean, obviously, in these communities, it is a... Um, it's a much. It, it, I think it is a little bit. The media hasn't done a great job in covering a lot of these things. I don't think. I think they they were they were very um, crucial in the Freddie Gray situation because we actually have uh, Mosley, who is the prosecutor, this amazingly attractive chick. By the mm. way, she's so strong. She's, she's such a badass. She's a first year prosecutor. She ran on a platform like we were talking about with Hillary Clinton and uh, what uh, Rand Paul was running on uh, for. Uh, new regulations against police brutality and, uh, you know, some regulation when it comes to the police force. Again, these are really new political winners in our country. That's how bad it's got. Going back, again, Clinton, under a million. Afterwards, well in, well into the millions. And now, of course, we're at about 2.5 million. Mm-hmm. So it, it, she is uh, very, I think, very smart to uh, indict the six officers, three black and three white, although CNN tries to cover it up and tries to make the black guys look a little bit whiter than they are, <laughs> um, which is fine. I mean, it's not fine. That's that's terrible. That's just, but they're full of lies. Yeah. CNN is full of lies. They're all full of lies. But this, mo- so something good did come out of the protest there. So when the media covered that, at the very least, they got, uh, they got enough exposure to, to create some social, uh, social change. Which I thought was good, but it is it is uh, crazy now that we are going to run into a uh, we're going to have an election cycle where mass incarceration rates are going to be cornerstone to a lot of these uh, a lot of the political campaigns. I hope it resonates, and I think it will resonate with these small towns, like we were just talking about with Stevens Point, Wisconsin, with Texas. Small town people are beginning to see what black communities have seen for years, which is over police. Overregulation, militarization. I just um, Jeff Ross uh, roast criminals. Jeff Ross, the the roast master general, and of course Ed Larson's cousin, and from the round table of gentlemen in brighter side. Great podcast. Um, they were they they did a, they went to a jail and obviously they roasted the criminals. A lot of people in there for month a month or two months for traffic violations mm-hmm. for small petty things. Brand new in New York City, for example. If you should, don't show up, if you have a drinking in public uh, violation, let's just say that I got one because I did, <laughs> and I got one. I, I got one drinking in public in New York, and I probably deserve about fifteen hundred. You deserve so many, yeah. <laughs> so I consider myself a big winner. I'm mean, at the end of the day, I'm a big winner. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. But of course, in, five years ago, once if you don't pay a ticket, they give you a bench warrant. Now they're trying to change this under De Blasio. This is the only thing De Blasio is doing mildly okay, and Bill Bratton hates him for it. Bill Bratton, our police commissioner. Um, then you immediately get a warrant for your arrest, and you have to go down to the tombs and hang out for, you know, whatever. So what happens in these small towns now, we're starting to see white families get tore apart the exact same way that black families have been tore apart for decades and decades. And now it's becoming a viable political issue. Yeah, uh, I think uh, what it is, 
since it first came out is that these people, uh, these white families, and I think, well, just, you know, more upper class families uh, called for these sorts of things, and then their families started getting arrested for these right. sorts of things. And at first, people were really only prosecuting black people for these crimes or minorities for these crimes. Right. And then there started to be enough of an outcry where people said, like, okay, if you're going to prosecute this person for this crime, then you have to prosecute uh, this other person for the exact same crime. So I right. think what it is is I think it's judges that are handing out the same sentences for white people as they do for black people mm-hmm. and so now you're actually seeing people uh, respond to these sorts of uh, you know fucking over policing over sentencing right. uh, types of policies right right and once it affects white communities it actually affects American politics yeah right so um, it is very ironic though and we cannot stress that enough Hillary Clinton is the Clinton family is one of the reasons, a huge reason, that we have the mass incarceration rates that we have now. And now, of course, she's running running on a platform to try to decrease that. Henry Zabrowski from last podcast on the left and the future star of, I believe it's NBC's Heroes. Yes, it is. He's in Reborn! Tw- Ooh! <laughs> that's exciting. Reborn. Yeah. Oh, isn't it? You were born, but now you're born again. Yeah. <laughs> isn't that fun? Oh, I wish I could be reborn. Oh, I bet you could be. Mm. Renounce Satan and all of his works. Okay. <laughs> now you're reborn. Hey, all right. <laughs> I feel pretty damn good. <laughs> but Henry and I wrote a screenplay, and it sold for multi-million dollars. Yeah. Multi-millions of dollars. Uh-huh. I'm so rich. Yeah, you are. But we were discussing, we had a Herman Cain-type character who created a drug, much like the CIA. Did they create crack cocaine? No, but they definitely didn't. Um, avoid using it for their benefit, mm-hmm. you know. And they def- uh, they 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 used it to decimate an entire community, so called, with the war on drugs. Everyone, you know, crack cocaine being five times more punished. Whatever. What the government tends to do is create a problem, so then they run on a platform later to solve the problem they created, mm-hmm. and that's exactly what our character did. Uh, he invented a drug called Squeeze in Cheddar Town in Cheddar Lake, Wisconsin. <laughs> and Squeeze was a drug that you would just spray in your mouth, and it would you know people would love it. It was highly addictive, and then he ran. On a campaign platform of law and order, he was going to eradicate squeeze, even though, and that's exactly what politicians have been doing up to this point. Mm-hmm. So now they ran, they created the problem with the with the war on drugs, with the crack cocaine, with the mass incarceration rates, and OxyContin drugs like OxyContin are the reason that we see the heroin boom that's happening right now in this country. Yeah, in Indiana alone. Mike Pence, the former, the, the current governor, hopefully former governor, one day and one day soon, they actually approved of a uh, of a a needle program where a needle exchange program would happen because so many people in Indiana got addicted to heroin because they started with Oxycontin. Mm-hmm. They went on to another drug. The pharmaceutical company changed the content. So they went crazy. But this was obviously the thing that they wanted the most. They went to heroin. 140 people have AIDS. In, in Indiana now. Uh-huh. A huge epidemic. We talked about Ebola yeah. as if the whole goddamn country was going to be wiped out yesterday. You know, but this is real. AIDS, it's happening on 140 people. So now they finally have a uh, a government needle exchange program happening there. L- last year in New York City, there were more heroin overdoses than homicides. It's it's unbelievable. And that is all based, that it's all because of the pharmaceutical addiction. Mm-hmm. And these pharmaceutical companies are making billions and billions and billions of dollars. And then the the prison system, which makes, it's about a $75 billion a year industry. They're taking, as soon as they get into heroin, they're taking those people. Mm-hmm. So it is a massive, it's a 
vicious, vicious cycle. So what Hillary Clinton has done, she created the problem under the under um, with her husband. If she wanted to, you know, you, you can't she can't pretend to be a hands on first lady. But then when the things that the policies that uh, her and Bill created, once those have a negative effect. Mm-hmm. She can't put her hands up and be like, but I was just baking cookies, <laughs> you know, so yeah. she needs to take accountability for it. And I so it is just classic. It is classic government creating a problem, then running on a platform of solving that problem. They're never going to solve it. Um, I do like like we were talking about in the last episode for the Democrats. Uh, Bernie Sanders did end up throwing his name in the ring. He made $1.5 million in his first week, which was more than Rubio made, more than Ted Cruz made, and more than Rand Paul made. Uh, The average uh, donor gave $43, I believe it was. Mm -hmm. And uh, so you wonder how many more dollars they can give. I think it's going to be... A well, nickel here, a nickel there. Well, I think but. those are those are hardcore Bernie Sanders fans. Like those are people right. that are in on the ground floor that have been the people that have been urging him to run. The people that you know, I mean, these are going to be the same people. It's like I was into Bernie Sanders before he was cool. Oh yeah, like, exactly. these are all those people. But as more and more people learn who Bernie Bernie Sanders is, I think he's going to keep getting uh, donations. Oh yeah, I mean, they're right now we're going with people who are just like mm, I loved Green Day when Kerplunk came out. <laughs> That is such a 33-year-old reference. <laughs> it is, but I got it. Kerplunk. Yeah. One um, of Green Day's... Um, lookout records. Yeah. What was it? 100,000 Slappy Hours and Kerplunk. Were yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Staring at the wall there. A lot of songs about masturbation. <laughs> <laughs> they were pretty good. So Bernie, who never... He, his policies, at no point did he have the power to put any of uh, these policies as, uh, in, into place, but he has always been a very outspoken critic. Of uh, the militarization of police and of the over um, incarceration rates, obviously. But uh, there is no way, there is no way he is going to do anything in this election other than help out Hillary Clinton. I really don't see it. It's going to make her go a little bit to the left, but at the same time, Bernie has a way of... um, a way of making himself seem unelectable. Yeah. And I only say this because I've watched him in three interviews. In each interview, he's got flax in his teeth. <laughs> flax seeds. He has seeds in his teeth. I have no idea what's happening. But he always has something in his teeth. And I'm like, you know, the cameras are on. Someone's got to, you got to get this guy, get the guy some, some floss. I'm sure he's got a campaign manager now that keeps an eye Does on he, his teeth. I hope so. <laughs> I hope yeah. he does. He's a he's a national Democratic uh, nominee for the Democratic uh, fucking chair of the president. Yeah, he's he, gonna have someone to tell him to pick his teeth. I don't know. I I feel like whoever his campaign manager is, he's probably taking little seeds, putting them on his thumb, and then putting them on his teeth to think <laughs> so he's more relatable to the Iowanian. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think I think he'll be okay. I think it'll be good for someone to bring Clinton a little bit more left. Or at least sure. keep her from going just complete and total, like pretty much being a, a right wing candidate that just says that she's a Democrat. Right, right, right. No, that that will be good, and it'll be a great debate. I'm very excited to watch. The debates are going to be fantastic between yeah. Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton. I cannot <sighs> wait to watch these debates. I mean, it really is. Uh, yeah, it could be on par with the Stockdale. You could see the vice president for Ross Perot. Why am I here? Gradlock. Who am I? I think Bernie might, if he's not careful, he can quickly kind of fall into that camp. 
It's strange that the Democrats have very old people. We were talking about it in the last episode with Kat Timp and Travis Irvine and roommate Mike. Um, the only candidate to, to vote for the war is a Democrat. Mm-hmm. You know, prison prison reform has been talked about in the libertarian wing of the Republican Party for a very long time. Rand Paul has discussed it for quite a while. Um Definitely Marco Rubio has. And then, of course, you have your total, you know, hawkish lunatics over there, your Jeb Bushes and uh, and Ted Cruz's of the world who who I, th- I think steal the narrative of the Republican Party, mm-hmm. you know, more. But like someone like Bernie Sanders and someone like Rand Paul, they really do have a large base of uh, they're in agreement on a lot of like, very important things, mm-hmm. foreign policy and domestic policy. Um, obviously, they vary greatly on uh, regulation of business and banks and things like that. Of course. But for the most part, on their social policies, when it comes down to, like, let's murder less people and put less people in prison, they're in agreement. Mm. So I think they're, a Bernie Sanders-Rand Paul ticket would be amazing. <laughs> Rand on the top, Bernie on the bottom. He's always got corn in his teeth, so you can't vote for him for president. But I would love to see him in the White House because Bernie is one of those guys that when you know – you know when you have the – there's always that one friend in a group of friends that when he's around, people are better. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Because like, I'll say Ed Larson for us. Eddie's such a nice guy. Yeah. And um, we're all on a little bit better behavior when Ed's around. Just because. Yeah, not because we're like, he's going to get, like, we're going to get in trouble or anything like no, that. No, he calls you out when you're being a douchebag. Yeah. You yeah, know? Yeah. But in the best way possible, where you don't get mad, you just kind of get sad at yourself. Yeah, and then you call him fat a bunch, and you know you move on. Well, that's you, but, you do. Know, well, he is fat. <laughs> what am I? What am I getting yelled at for? Can't call a fat man fat anymore. Good. What kind of America are we living in? I'm not happy. Bernie is good. Bernie is good in that way, though. He's the friend that will always leave lead you into a uh, an area of uh, betterment for people. I don't mm-hmm. think that he really has the, he doesn't have the infrastructure, he doesn't have the money. He doesn't really have the I mean he's he's charismatic in his way. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I love him. I mean I, he's yeah. he's um well, they say uh he go he he is the perfect representative of disheveled America. Yeah. Disheveled smart America. The scientists <laughs> right. who just like you can see sometimes you'll you'll meet the most intelligent person you'll ever meet in your life. And the buttons are wrong on the shirt. <laughs> you know, the button at all different. You know, one one side's longer than the other. Zipper is down. He's got toilet paper on his shoe. And he's like, what do you do? And they're like, um, I do it. I, um, you know, I, I, what, I don't even know the name of the job the guy does. I have particle accelerator repairman. Is that the smartest job you can think of? <laughs> Particle accelerator repairman? Particle accelerator repairman? Absolutely, that's the part. That's the smartest job I can think of. I didn't even know that was a job. I was trying to come up with a job. It has example. to be a job. Particle accelerator repairman. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, particle accelerators exist. Mm, okay. They're going to have, they break down sometimes they have to. They're extremely complicated machines. Right. If you're a repairman, that means you have to know the particle accelerator in and out and be able to diagnose a problem. That's a good point. Extremely okay. intelligent. Particle accelerator repairman. Particle accelerator <laughs> repairman is the most difficult job in the world. <laughs> I agree. It's also it also makes for the worst porno intro of all time. <laughs> particle accelerator repairman here. Uh, uh, we are uh, we ordered pizza. Yeah, I'm the part. Item. <laughs> oh, good. I need to get my large hadron collider back online. Oh, this is one of the hottest things I've ever seen. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> So that's why Bernie is good. He is, the, <laughs> he is the repairman of government, and he is somebody who is necessary. And I, I think, I hope 
that at the very least with the Bernie Sanders candidacy, we can uh, have conversations like like these, you yeah. know, with the incarceration rates. And hopefully he can just bring that's that's what he is. He's sort of he's a Ralph Nader type, although I am not a fan of Ralph Nader. No. Um, we, we, did we discuss the book that he wrote? <laughs> we actually didn't. <laughs> okay. It's called really, Return to Sender. Really quick here, just on Bernie. He is a uh, he, he is a great um, a vessel and a, a, a great messenger for some of the more important issues facing the country right now. And I think that that'll be his purpose in the uh, in the debate and as a candidate. I'm sorry, I just don't think he can win. I think the Clintons are totally fine, and I fairly certain they weren't extremely upset when he announced his uh, his candidacy for president. No. But, okay, Ralph Nader, the reason I don't like him, I know a lot of people really love him, and probably a lot of listeners to this show. He was a great consumer advocate. Um, in 2000, of course, a lot of people think he caused uh, Bush to uh, gore the election. But but really not. It, he didn't. It, it was a very microscopic amount of votes that he had, and it had nothing to do with Florida. Yeah. Uh, so it really didn't matter that much. But this is why I don't like Ralph Nader, other than the fact he's like, I don't know, like crotchety? <laughs> yeah. Is that who he yeah, is? Yeah, crotchety. It's he, a perfect word to describe, bro. Haggard. He just doesn't wipe well. <laughs> I feel like he's one of those guys. You know, a, a guy that you look at, you're just like, you got poop in your butt. You don't, you don't wipe. You need more flax. You've got to get on that Bernie Sanders flax diet. <laughs> That's Ralph Nader's a poop butt. He's a poop butt. I think he is. He just seems that way to me. But uh, he is, of course, the champion for seatbelt laws, right? Yeah. And everyone's like, why wouldn't you want seatbelt laws? Of course, they're saving lives. This is what happens. We're seeing it again. The cops can pull you over for anything. Mm-hmm. And it's all these little things that just add up and add up and add up and add up. And so, yes, on its face, a seatbelt law is great. And the government should you should be encouraged to wear a seatbelt, but what it is now, it's just another tax. Yeah. And it's another reason to pull over some random person in Ferguson, to pull over some random person in Baltimore, to whatever it might be. It is It just gives more probable cause for you to be pulled over by the police. It gives them more power from there. They can search you from there. They can, If you have a warrant out, whatever it might be. It is what broken windows is to New York. The seatbelt laws and things like that are to smaller towns. Yeah. Because smaller towns don't have broken windows for the no. most part. Oh, no, of course. So you're yeah. going to see my hometown. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah. Stephen's gorgeous. <laughs> gorgeous. The broken windows policy doesn't really play there. So it's to different things. Yeah. Oh, no, uh, no, no. My, I was being uh, sarcastic. Oh, my, Texas. Yeah. My, my, my hometown is a. Just a broken place. <laughs> well, don't be so <laughs> shit. It's fine. <laughs> Texas, it's warm it's anyway. It's just. Uh, it's dying. Very oh, come on. Death. Let's. Yeah. Mm. You guys thought about uh, getting more water? <laughs> I feel like I always want to tell Texans that you know you can just get yeah get more water. Yeah, we're trying to, but huh. you know, huh. rain dances ain't working. You got oil. We do. Can't swim in that though. <laughs> <laughs> so can't bathe in oil. But that is why I don't like Ralph Nader because he passed a lot of those sorts of petty things under the guise of consumer protection. 
and uh, and he he has done some good. But anyway, obviously a, a cliff note in political history, Ralph Nader will go down as. And his latest book is really one of the saddest things I've ever seen because he so badly, so badly wants to get the ear of a president. But presidents have uh, put on their uh, Beats headphones and they are far too busy listening to uh, modern music. Yeah, Ralph Nader's new book is called Return to Sender. It's a collection of more than 100 letters that he sent to George W. Bush and Obama over the last 15 years. Uh, one. <laughs> it's just such an old. It's such. I'm. I'm writing a letter to the president. He said, and then the president just was like, "Send it back." <laughs> he said, well, "My, we could not penetrate the multi-layered White House bubble with very few exceptions. I received no response from anyone on staff, nor even an acknowledgement of receipt." Um, here's, I, a, here's one. Here's one of his letters, dear President Bush. You have been a weak president, despite your strutting and barking when it comes to doing the right things for the American people within the Constitution and its rule of law. This trade is now in bold relief over the Israeli government's escalating war crimes, pulverizing the defenseless people and country of Lebanon. July 17, 2006. Love, Ralph. <laughs> Thank you, Ralph. That is very good. Uh, and here's a, here's one uh, in 2008 uh, sent uh, right before the uh, he mocks to uh, Obama's 2008 campaign slogan in a letter right. sent a few days before the 2012 gubernatorial recall election in Wisconsin. He said, "Unless you fly to Wisconsin before Tuesday, you'd better hope that the polls change. Hope and change were both uh, capitalized. Right. Oh. Okay. Good. Hope. Cha- you get what he's. Yeah. Yeah. You get what he's it. doing yeah, there. Yeah, he's smart. Yeah. And the good people of Wisconsin turn out Governor Walker. Otherwise, you'll be up against the memories of your abandonment all the way to November. That will not be restricted to the boundaries of the Badger State. Yeah. Sincerely, Ralph Nader, June first, twenty twelve. I'll tell you that. Uh First of all, it is very easy to get into the White House. You just have to run. <laughs> you just have to ju- be able to jump a fence and then just uh, kind of just kind of run in there. It's pretty simple to get into the White House these days. The Secret Service is having a hell of a time. They really are, man. Yeah, this is my favorite one. Dear, Pre- this is real. This is totally real. Dear President Obama. My name is E. coli 0104H4. I am being detained in a German laboratory in Bavaria, charged with being a highly virulent strain of bacteria. Mm. You may wonder how tiny okay. bacterial me, probably not even harboring a virus, can send you such a letter, dot, 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 dot. Whatever the how, does it really matter to the need to act now? Ecologically yours, E. coli... O one oh four H four for now. Wow 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 Nerd alert nerd alert nerd alert nerd alert nerd alert wow wow That would can you imagine if he was president? That would just be in the state of the union. You thought the axis of evil speech was stupid and wrong. He wrote as E. coli. He channeled E. coli. And then when he doesn't get any response from Obama, he starts writing letters to Michelle to tell on him. Get out of here. Dear First Lady Michelle Obama, at the suggestion of some knowledgeable people, I am writing you to convey a message to President Obama that was sent to him thrice in the past year without response. So as a Princetonian in the nation's service, (laughs) would you please inform him of the above request and please forward his response to me, May 4th, 2012. Brilliant. 
brilliant as if he's he i just love the idea that he's pretending as if michelle isn't the one who is just constantly like off with their heads <laughs> barack is like but maybe we should spare their off with their heads i said barry do you ever want to see me nude again barry <laughs> off with their heads then they die now okay honey All right. whatever so that's ralph nader that's what he's up to right now so <laughs> that's what he's been up to for the last 12 years so again as uh you know <laughs> Listeners and Marcus and myself, let's all vow to not become that old man. <laughs> I vow. I you vow. know, just don't send letters to the president and then write a book about how they never responded to you. <laughs> Jesus. It's so sad. He sent some, he sent some to Laura Bush. And he, sent, he sent some to, he sent one to H.W. Bush, Barbara Bush, and Laura Bush to, so tell, to tell on George W. that... The George W. isn't writing back. So this is the kind of guy that he is. He goes through the wife to get to the husband, which means that he this when you have when you're a man, there is I mean, there's a show called Guy Code, Bro Code, whatever it might be, right? Mm-hmm. But theoretically, you should go to the guy and talk to the guy about the grievances you have with him and not try to channel your anger through the wife because he's also assuming as if Michelle is as stupid as he is. <laughs> I'm sure if Michelle read that E. coli letter, he would be in Canada. She'd be like, get him out of the country. I'm Michelle Obama. I got this big-eared, goofy-looking motherfucker elected. I'm the the hero here. Get him out. Get him out. Ralph Nader? Who the hell is Ralph Nader? Oh, man. And then when that didn't work, he went and fucking tattled on Bush to his parents. It's unbelievable. Your son's being mean to me. It's it's he is the president who sadly refuses to listen in exchange with opposing viewpoints. March nineteenth, two thousand three. Seatbelts. <laughs> the man cared too much about seatbelts, and he's the reason you get pulled over. And whenever you get that twenty five dollar citation, whenever you get pulled over for not wearing a seatbelt, thank Ralph Nader. He thought he was doing the best for uh, for the country, but the one thing that politicians don't understand is unintended consequences to their actions, and the unintended consequence. Uh, to the Ralph Nader seatbelt legislation that he pretty much forced to happen was you can get pulled over for doing any one more thing to get pulled over for. Mm-hmm. Like we need any more, you know. So he's a terrible. He did not know he was going to be one of the um, problems with the country. He didn't know that, but he definitely became one. And that's why you can't vote for any of these politicians who are just trying to increase um, Chris Christie sunk his political campaign not because of his weight he didn't sink the boat because literally the boat became unbuoyant when he came on board no i mean they can't he can't go on a carnival cruise line um, I'm, okay it's, you got it I, I got, he sinks I got, the boat I got, <laughs> he's so fat yeah yeah he's very he's a heavy man he's huge <laughs> he's huge the audacity <laughs> he is so huge the metaphor has run its course okay <laughs> Sometimes Chris Christie eats an ice cream cone, but for the most part, he looks like an ice cream cone. That's good. Uh, ice cream cone eats him. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to die soon of type 2 diabetes. Chris Christie, for example, he just came out, and of course, he's trying to find a new narrative. Um, and I'm, I'm just joking about his weight, obviously. I have had ma- massive weight problems out there. I still uh, you know, think about it every day. If you are overweight, I'm not making fun of you at all. Chris Christie is a person who... Um, you know, he's, he's whatever. Um, but, you know, his, when he came out law and order against marijuana, mm-hmm. this was his big 
He's trying to get back that Republican base, Christ and he couldn't have he couldn't have screwed himself over more. He could not have been more tone deaf. Could not have been more tone deaf. Could not have been um, more aware of the again, like we're talking about hypocrisy with Hillary Clinton talking about trying to get the prison population down. When in reality, she's one of the reasons that it is so high right now. Chris Christie is a a definition of the major health crisis of our time, which is our sugar addiction, which is obesity for the first time in, in the world's history. There's more people that are going to die from obesity than starvation. It is a much more fun death. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say that. <laughs> I would, If I had to choose Chris Christie death or Terry Schiavo death, I'm going Chris Christie. Mm-hmm. I'll die through steaks as opposed to having a tube pulled out of me and I, as I slowly starve to death. Um, but for him to come out and have the audacity to tell people what they should put into their body and to tell people what he believes is healthy uh and then obviously if they break his code of what he deems to be uh you know acceptable uh, to consume they go to prison for 5 10 15 years mm-hmm. even if you go for 2 months let's say you get into a fight in prison you're there for another another year on an assault charge yeah right i mean once you get caught up you're you're caught up and it's impossible almost impossible to get out that's why the, you know the um the rates of return are four out of ten or six out of ten. I mean, they're, they're high, and uh, so he nipped his entire candidacy in the bud immediately. I mean, obviously Bridgegate, which he definitely knows about Bridgegate. There's yeah, no doubt about that. And then to come out and try to reclaim that uh, conservative base that left him after he did something, which I was very uh, enamored with. I enjoyed his uh, Sandy response. Yeah, so did with I. Obama. You know, when he was when he was walking with Obama on the beach and they were holding hands and making out and stuff like that. <laughs> I thought that was very good. It was a good it was a good lead it made him look like a good leader. Bipartisan. Bridgegate happens. A bunch of other things happen. The economy, they've been downgraded nine times uh, the economy of uh, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. They've been downgraded, which is absolutely awful. His approval ratings are in the 30%. I haven't seen a politician fall this hard ever. Yeah. Um, he, he was loved. His attitude was loved until, of course, he starts saying these unbelievably out, um, outlandish things about marijuana and how he, you know, he wants to double down, make it more illegal than ever. Mm-hmm. And the man is wearing a size 52 belt. He is obviously not an example of what health is. As a matter of fact, he is a perfect example of what health looks like in America. Yeah. Morbidly, which was charming at first. And now you see what he actually wants to do. And, I mean, obviously, I don't think that he personally cares. Politicians are just grasping at constituents. And so he thought he was going to be able to reach one with uh, with the weed being hard on weed, and he totally screwed himself over. At the most, uh, they're like, well, I guess I wouldn't mind being behind that. Of course, sure. there are some things that they are saying, like, you know, of course I wouldn't be for that. Of course I wouldn't be for letting, you know, child rapists out on weekend furloughs. That's sure. a weird thing to come out for. Right. But marijuana, doubling down that, yeah, I wouldn't mind that. Yeah, let's go for, let's go for that. Right, He doesn't right. believe in it, but no. it's just it's just what people are telling us, like, you know what? You know what nobody's doing right mm-hmm. now? Coming out in favor of stricter drug laws. Exactly. Even though it's obvious that the entire, most of the country is sick of these drug laws and are starting to see with places like, you know, Colorado, uh, their legalization programs mm-hmm. and how that's working out pretty good for them. Oh, absolutely. Except for arson charges are going up a lot more. Uh, <laughs> Colorado? Yeah, that's the only crime that's gone up. <laughs> people are burning down other people's weed dispensaries and stuff. That's hilarious. That's it, yeah. Uh, since that was my favorite stat about legalization in Colorado is that the only crime that went up was... Uh, 
arson. You Everything the, else went down. You know, there's like one long-haired firefighter who's just like, I'll take this one. <laughs> just like the cops at the weed rally were sniffing and taking it all in. Let's not put the fire out so fast, guys. Yeah, let's let's let it burn a little bit, you know? Hmm, why, why is your mask off, Tommy? <laughs> yeah, just a little weed fire. Just wait a minute. I'm fine with it. Uh, yeah, of course. Uh, yes, that is Chris Christie's major downfall. And, you know, speaking of seatbelts, the guy, obviously, he does probably need a seatbelt extension yeah. at this point, which is uh, which is very sad. So I think he's um, he's eight, he's about to eat himself out of mobility, and uh, I think his uh, his uh, desperate attempts to become uh, to become seen as hard on crime, which is such an unbelievably cliche nonsense platform that is not real. Mm-hmm. Hard, no one is soft on crime. We are the hardest country on crime in the history of the world. We have five percent of the world's population, twenty five percent of the imprisoned people around the world, and the. The idea that we somehow need to be harder on crime, it, it, is, it is a word. It is a, it is a catchphrase. It is not real. We are plenty hard on crime. Mm-hmm. And if Hillary Clinton's elected, we're going to maintain the exact amount of harsh punishment we have right now. So who do you vote for? Who knows? It's going to be it's going to be an interesting election cycle. I want to you know I don't want to vote for Hillary. I really don't. I think she's a major part of the problem. She is, she is as Republican as anybody else. Yeah. You know, and I think I. You know, we'll see. We'll see if Mark. We'll see what the Republicans can do if they if they don't tear themselves apart. If they choose not to go with the Chris Christie route of being tough on weed, um, all that nonsense narrative, that insane inflammatory. You know, the 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 racial um, uh, double talk that the uh, the Republican Party is known for. Yeah, the dog whistle words. Exactly. Yeah, and uh, I think Cat Temp last week made a great point that as long as the Republicans hold on to gay marriage bans, then they're just never going to win. You got to ease up. I mean, honestly, I think that they could even win if they don't change their pro life platform. There are that is one area where there is actually um, there's a large constituency that is pro life, and the one thing about them is they vote in mass. Yeah, and uh, so I don't even think that you really have to change that. Um, Obviously, I think it would it would benefit them if they did. Yeah, but gay marriage, but they definitely they have they, to. they have to change that. They there's, have to. there's no there there's no budge on that. There's no defensible. I mean, there's it, no defensible reason whatsoever. At least with pro life, you can make an argument, a rational argument, right? But with uh, with uh, gay marriage, no, there there's no rational defense right. or defensible and, argument. You know, once that. the Republicans do uh, change their stance on gay marriage, which they will, just like Hillary did in 08 and just like Obama did uh, in 2012. I believe Hillary didn't even do it in 08. They were both for uh, the uh, civil unions. Mm-hmm. But once the Republicans finally do uh, evolve on their stance on gay marriage, John McCain and Lindsey Graham can get married. <laughs> so that'll be very exciting. You know, because you know they want to so bad. <laughs> Lindsay's, oh, always, Lindsay's always Lindsay's just his John's saggy like, eyes. Just I haven't uh, I haven't been able to touch my um, penis in a while, Lindsay. Because you know the <laughs> Vietnam, I got tortured. Lindsay, can you milk? Can you milk me? And then Lindsay milks him. And it's not gay because uh, he's a cripple. Oh, the sagging, drooping eyelids right. of Lindsey Graham just staring into mm. John McCain's beady little digits mm, yes. from across the aisle. I think that's what the term Work across the aisle They are definitely not uh, They are on the same side of that aisle Um, All right, everyone, thanks so much for listening And uh, go to the Able Against Top Hat page on Facebook Let us know what you think And uh, let's see, let's go to iTunes Rate on iTunes, that's awesome 
Marcus, anything else? Uh, yeah, just go listen to uh, our other shows. Roundtable of Gentlemen, last podcast on the left. If you don't listen to those, I got a couple with Jackie Zabrowski, page yeah. seven in Sex and the Human Activities. Those are great. Check those out, man, and uh, check out all of our uh, shows at CapeComedyRadio.com. That's right, and you can find Marcus Parks on Twitter, at Marcus Parks. I'm at Ben Kissel, and uh, yeah, man, we'll talk to you guys soon. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to CaveComedyRadio.com. <laughs>